0: Good morning, everybody. I did not expect howdy to come out of my mouth, but it sort of feels right with all of these stringed instruments up here. <laughs> I promise you that was not planned. <laughs> okay, let, let's stand up. I'm Billy. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad you guys are here for worship today to make some time for God in your life. I know God is so honored by that. So um, let's all come expectant. We're going to sing this song called Multiplied. And in this song, we'll say, we'll say the word hallelujah. And I don't know if you know, the word hallelujah is a Hebrew word. And the first part of the word halal means to praise. And Yah is short for Yahweh, which means God. So we're saying praise God every time we say hallelujah. So in um, this song, we're saying, God, may these hallelujahs that we have, and that we say, may they be multiplied. So may, we have many ways to say, God, I thank you. God, I praise you. God, you've been so good to me in my life. So great way to come into church. All right
1: goes Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us We cannot contain Your love is Surely come find us Like blazing wildfires Singing your name God, mercy
0: good day to come and just be thankful gang so glad you're here and I know that God is so honored by our thankfulness and as we lift that up to him so great hey uh, before you have uh, a seat uh, take a second say hello to somebody around you tell them
2: good morning thanks good morning Hopevale and welcome I am Steve I'm one of your pastors here on staff and we are excited that you are here with us this morning we're so thankful that you've joined us. Um, We have great things in store for you today. We're starting a new sermon series, um, our worship time together. It's just going to be a wonderful morning. We're excited that you're here to be a part of it with us. Um, Opportunity in front of you today, as some of you know, if you don't, some of our pastoral staff and about 30 other individuals uh, took a trip to Israel here a few weeks ago. Uh, They had an incredible experience, and they are ready to share that experience with you today at noon. So if you're around and can join us down in the venue at 12 o'clock today, um, they're going to share some pictures, some of their experience of walking where Jesus walked. And I think there's going to, word is leaking out that there may be even a trip planned down the road. Uh, So if that's something that's of interest, you may want to pop down there, check it out. We'd love to have you join us and be a part of that. One of the great things we get to do every week as a part of our worship experience is to Give back to the Lord through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And I just want to thank you for being such a great uh, body of believers who are generous, who love the Lord, and who are willing to give to his work. Um, You are allowing us to go wider in our reach for others and deeper in terms of leading people to a deeper walk and understanding of who Jesus is. So when we sing about his uh, unfailing love and his amazing grace, you are helping... Take that word to other individuals, both far from us and near to us. And we thank you for that. I thank you for your vision and your passion as you give. So as the ushers come forward this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together and worship your name. God, it's an amazing name. We just thank you so much for your love and for your grace. And the gift that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we enter this place today, with thankful hearts, with expectant hearts, we just want to return a portion of what you've given to us back to you. And, Father, we ask that you would take these gifts and you would use them. You would use them in in a powerful way that allows us to impact others that don't know you and reach further into our community and around the world and to impact those that maybe already do know you in in a deeper way that they would come to a deeper understanding of who you truly are and what you desire from us. So, Father, we just invite you today that no matter where we're at, no matter what background we're coming from, no matter what our experiences have been over the course of this past week, that you would meet us right here today, that you would speak to us about life and about your love and how those two things intersect. God, thanks for all that you've done for us, and thanks for what's in store. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
0: we thank you for your good grace to us, and we thank you for moments where we can be reminded that you've made all things and you really are the fount of every blessing. And God, we confess that we are prone to wander, prone to do our own thing, prone to make our own decisions, prone to walk outside of a life with you, and um, I know for many of us that's why we come back, come back to this uh, place, come back to this room to sit in some chairs to learn more about you, to hear more of you, so we can walk closer with you, God. So. Um, Help us to do that to the best of our absolute ability. Um, Lord, um, with whatever we can do on our own, God, with decisions we can make, um, we pray that you're honored by our our worship and pray that you're honored by our attendance today. And God, you have our attention. So, Lord, we love you and thank you for this uh, beautiful day and a great big bunch of people we get to hang out with today and worship. So, God, you're so good and you've been so good to us and we have nothing but thanks and praise. So, Lord, uh, bless our time today in the Word, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name with a resounding amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Glad you're here.
3: Collision Course. Now there's a soundtrack to walk up to. I feel like I should have a black leather jacket or something. <laughs> Even then I couldn't pull it off. Um, hey, today we are beginning a new message series entitled Collision Course. It's a look at how we as Christians can navigate through relational conflicts that we face in all walks of life. And let's be honest, we all deal with relational conflict, don't we? Anything ranging from, you know, a small difference of opinion to heated disagreement, we've had those times, right, in a friendship, in a relationship, in a marriage, where it gets strained, or even worse, it gets severed because we never quite worked through this conflict that kept on festering. And so as I put this series together, I have two goals in mind, right? I, I want this to be both highly biblical and intensely practical, highly biblical and intensely practical highly biblical because it's in the bible where we find god's wisdom for our lives a wisdom that is second to none highly biblical but then also intensely practical because it's not just enough to know the bible no we need to put it into practice if we're going to experience the blessings that come from honoring god and his word and so my hope as we go through this series is that the holy spirit We'll be able to show you some very specific steps that you can take in your life when it comes to dealing with difficult conflict and challenging relationships in your life. Now, I can't promise that every relational problem you have is going to be fixed by the time we're done with this series, but I can promise you that you're going to see a better way forward when it comes to relational conflict, right? a better way forward, a way that can honor God, a way that can bless other people, and a way that in the process can enrich your own life as well. So that's my hope for you in this series, but I also have a hope for us as a church. I do. So before we get into the specifics of today's message, I want to take a moment here and talk about why this topic is so important for our church and everyone in it. Now, here at Hopewell, we have a mission statement that shapes everything we do around here. Everything, here it is. It says this We are a community of grace and truth inviting people to know and follow Jesus. We are a community of grace and truth inviting people. To know and follow jesus there's two parts there's a who we are part there's a what we do part so who we are our identity is that we as a church are this community of grace and truth grace and truth those two words that are used to describe jesus in the gospel of john chapter 1 verse 14 and those words remind us that jesus not only needs to be at the center of everything we do around here and not shoved off, you know, in the side in some corner, but also that his life, his love, need to guide how we relate to one another who make up this worshiping community, right? That we need to be gracious and truthful. Because see, church isn't simply a place to attend, it's a people to belong to, right? At the moment you become a Christian, God places you into his forever family, He is your loving Heavenly Father. Jesus is your loving brother, along with countless other men, women, boys, girls, including us right here who know Christ as our Savior. We're more than just a collection of individuals. We are a community of grace and truth. That's who we are. And then as a church, we're called to invite. Invite others to know and follow Jesus with us. That's what we do. And like I talked about last week, this invitation, this welcome, this encouragement, That's something that we extend to everyone. Everyone. Ours here is not a closed community, us four and no more. No, God gathers us for worship in here to send us out as his ambassadors, the Bible says, out there to share good news, to spread good deeds, to live good lives. And as we do so, we are extending a welcome to those around us because we want them to experience God's great love and forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ just like we have who we are, a community of grace, truth, what we do, we're inviting people to know and follow Jesus with us all for the glory of God. That is Hopeville in a nutshell. Now, for some of you, that's new, right? This is your first time here, or maybe you've recently started coming, you've never heard that before. But for the rest of us who have been here for a while, it's more of a reminder it's an encouragement. But either way, I want you to remember this because this series about conflict has very profound implications for us as a church who's trying out, trying hard to live out this mission. Let me explain. See, when you think about people and, and why they're resistant to Christianity, or maybe even hostile and combative, there are a few turnoffs as big as hypocrisy and inconsistency, right? That's what you hear. Hypocrisy, where people say one thing but do another, where Christians are inconsistent between the practice of their faith and the profession of their faith. You know, so here we are. We're just coming off the greatest celebration of the year, right? Easter Sunday. We are joyously proclaiming that he has risen, that Jesus is alive, that he has conquered sin and death in the grave, and that because of that, we're forgiven. Because of that, we're made new. Because of that, we're now citizens of his kingdom, children of his family. Amazing stuff, it's the greatest news ever. So great that we want to share it with as many people as possible. But, but, and there's always a but, isn't there? But if we handle conflict poorly, if we hold on to grudges, nurse wounds, keep score, plot revenge against other people who wronged us, right? If we bury our heads in the sand, look the other way, roll over and play dead every time, every time things get tense with someone else, We've got all this unresolved conflict going on in our relational world as Christians, especially right here in the church, if all that's taking place, how can we possibly expect other people on the outside looking in, say to themselves, wow, I, I really want some of that. It is so attractive, right? That really must be good news. I knew there was something missing from my life. And now that I see this group of people that won't talk to each other, that can't find it in their hearts to forgive, yeah, that's what I need. Where do I sign up? Um, sarcasm alerts, okay? That's not what they're thinking, right? No, what do they think? Yeah, I knew it. See, those Christians are no better than anyone else. No, they're just like the rest of us, or even more heartbreaking. <laughs> Boy, I've really been hoping there's something to this Jesus thing that my friend's been talking to me about. But if he's going to keep on being so nasty about this disagreement we're having, then thanks, but no thanks. Or I've always wanted to visit that Hopeville I've heard so much about, but if she's going to keep gossiping like that t- about me to all her friends who also go there, then I just don't want any part of that, right? See, that's why this matters. That's why we've got to get this right. Otherwise, our message has no credibility whatsoever. No, if we're going to be this community of grace and truth that's inviting people to know and follow Jesus with us, then we have no choice but to navigate through relational conflict in a God-honoring way. And it starts right here with us. One of the cornerstone passages of our mission statement comes from John chapter 13, the words of Jesus. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the heart of Jesus for us as his people. And when he talks about us loving one another, it's not some idealistic fantasy world where no one ever gets upset. No, that's not it. No, this is about when people get upset with each other. It's about the nitty gritty of getting on your knees to pray about it, to roll up your sleeves and do some hard work, because dealing with conflict is hard work. It is. People do get upset. Feelings do get hurt. And there's always going to be a part of us, though, that doesn't want to deal with it, right? Or we're just going to sit back and stew and simmer and wait for the other person to make the first move because everybody knows it's their fault, right? That's our natural tendency, to want to avoid the hard work of conflict resolution. Thankfully, though, as Christians, we have more than just our natural tendency. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives in us, he gives us the desire, the power to rise above our selfishness, to rise above our defensiveness and to do what's most honoring to God in difficult relational situations. A new command I give you, Jesus says. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. It starts in the church, but then it also works its way out into the world and into this complicated web of relationships that we all have. See, that's why I want to talk about this with you. It has profound meaning for us as a church, but it also has some very personal meaning for each one of us here, whatever difficult conflicts you're trying to work through. I mean, I think about a day like today. I, I think there are some of you here where, where conflict is so intense, it's a minor miracle that you even showed up to church today. It is. You can't sleep at night. You're all knotted up inside. Anger, fear, Worry. Your mind's constantly racing where this thing is all you think about. Listen, I've been there before, and I know you have as well, and so my sincere prayer as we go through this series is that God is going to give you some special insights. He's going to give you some spiritual breakthroughs in situations that you've written off as hopeless. Listen, I mean, if our God can raise his son from the dead, then he certainly can bring victory to even the most challenging of conflicts. I truly believe that. And so that's where we're going for our entire series. But for the rest of our time today, I want to begin by laying a foundation of just three very important aspects when it comes to resolving conflict. Three very important aspects. There's the goal, there are obstacles, and there is the challenge, right? The goal, the obstacles, the challenge. See, if we want to approach this topic in a way that's going to be both biblical and practical, then we need to be clear about what we want to accomplish, the goal. We need to be clear about what's standing in the way of that goal, the obstacles, and then how we can move toward achieving that goal despite those obstacles. That's the challenge. So let's go ahead. We're going to take a look at those, and we're going to begin with the goal, that if we want to navigate through relational conflict, well, what are we shooting for? What's the goal? What's the outcome we're after? Well, I was thinking about that this past week, and my mind drifted back to our hashtag blessed series earlier this year when we looked at the Beatitudes of Jesus. And specifically, I thought about that seventh one from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, where Jesus says this, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peace. Sounds like a pretty good goal to me, don't you think? That it would be great to see peace And those relationships in our lives that are presently conflicted. Peace. By the way, Pastor Ken did a great job on the message on this Beatitude. If you didn't get a chance to watch it or listen to it, you can check it out on our website. Now, when I say the word peace, I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Dan, really? That seems so idealistic. That seems, you know, like such a fantasy world when it comes to conflict, right? Is that even possible? And I realize why well, you might get frustrated with an answer like that, but let's make it clear, when we talk about peace being the goal, it's not my answer. No, it's Jesus' answer. I'm just repeating what he says, right? What he wants for us. And so when he says that to us as his followers that the fruit of a life that's forever changed by his gospel is one of bringing peace into the conflicted relational situations we're involved with, then we need to pay attention to that. Now let me make it clear. I'm not suggesting it's an easy goal, because it's not. Nor am I suggesting that it is an inevitable outcome for every single circumstance we bump up against. But still, it's the one we're shooting for. And to make it anything less is just watering down the words of Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, he says, for they will be called children of God. So what exactly then do we mean by the word peace? What are we trying to make? Well, when I think about peace in a relationship, here's what I would say. That peace is more than just the elimination of tension and the absence of conflict. It's also the presence of health. Relational health. It's not just eliminating the tension. It's not just making sure the conflict goes away. It's also relational health. See, for many of us, we've traded away God's vision of peace, and instead we've settled for a watered-down version that says, as long as no one's mad at me, things are good. As long as I'm not upset, as long as I don't really need to think about it, and I can sleep at night, there's nothing left for me to do. Now, don't get me wrong, eliminating tension, removing conflict, those are good things, no question about it. But still, peace, as God defines it, is even more than that. When you read through the Old Testament, one of the major themes you see over and over again is peace. Peace, or the Hebrew word shalom. And really the English word peace doesn't do justice to that, because shalom has this idea of unity, wholeness, oneness, wellness, health, flourishing, where all is right with the world. One of my favorite visions of Shalom comes from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah where he describes a time of peace in the future where the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion will be together, the cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together. What a picture, right? Got these naturally violent animals dwelling together in harmony with these naturally docile animals. Shalom. And then you think about how the New Testament describes our salvation in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just that God forgives our sins, as great as that is. It's not just that he removes his righteous wrath from us. No, he also reconciles our broken relationship with him. Yes, the tension is gone. Yes, the conflict is resolved. But it's even more than that. We now have this incredibly flourishing relationship with the one true God. That is the power of the cross. It's the power of the empty tomb where hostile enemies become forever friends. And so because we as Christians experience that liberating peace, we're then also called to express that to others. Look at these verses. Romans 14, verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Live at peace with everyone. Again, peace is the goal, Peace, peace. And did you notice what else those verses had in common? It's not just the word peace, but what else? That three-word phrase that says what? Make every effort. What is standard? So it's not, hey, let's just see what happens, or I gave it a shot, it didn't work out, or maybe you can give it the good old college try. No, it's what? Make every effort. For us as Christians, relational peace with others needs to be a passionate priority in our lives. And so when it comes to navigating through all the relational conflicts we have, peace is the ultimate goal. Let's not settle for anything less. But there's another side of the equation that we need to keep in mind, and that has to do with all the obstacles we face. The obstacles, right? Those things that get in the way. I mean, we do, if we're going to pursue peace, need a dose of realism to understand that there are a lot of things that get in the way of that goal. We need to understand those, because if you're ignorant of the challenge, right, if you downplay the degree of difficulty you're going to encounter in conflict, then it's eventually going to lead you to this place of discouragement, despair, and defeat. You're going to wonder, why is this so hard? Why am I encountering so much opposition? Why do I keep getting angry with them? And so on, and so on, and so on. So if we are going to have any shot at living as peacemakers, we've got to know what we're up against. So what are we up against? What are the obstacles? Well, the first one's this, human nature, right? Simply human nature, that one of the reasons this conflict happens is, is human nature. It's us, it's you, it's me, it's everyone. There is something about who we are, how we're wired, that always seems to get in the way of peace. Now the Bible has a word for this, it's called sin. And sin is that me-first orientation within all of us that prefers our own interests over the will of God and the needs of others. A me-first orientation that prefers our own interests over the will of God and the needs of others. And the Apostle James is very blunt as to saying why this creates so much conflict. In James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from what? Your desires that battle within you. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Now, later on in this series, we're going to talk about the importance of good communication and conflict resolution. Now, certainly in friendship, in marriage, in the home, in the school, in the workplace, in church, everywhere, people need to communicate well. They're going to have any shot of seeing peace happen, right? Good communication. But as you think about that, you also need to keep this passage in mind because you could have the world's greatest communicators, right, in a relationship trying to work things out. But if the desires inside are still selfish quarrelsome, entitled, embittered then you're never going to make any kind of real progress, right? That me-first orientation of sin is always going to get in the way. You know, maybe you're thinking about a conflict you're in right now, and you're going, whose fault is it? Them? Maybe. You? Possibly. More likely, though, it's probably the both of you. Now, we can, you know, dicker over percentages of fault, but if you're going to take this verse at face value, then you've got to admit that... Both of you have probably contributed to the problem one way or another. And as you're processing this, another question might come to mind. Well, where does being a Christian fit into all this, right? I thought my sin was forgiven. I thought I'm now a new creation in Christ. So this passage isn't describing me, is it? Well, the answer to that is no and yes, right? See, when it comes to our salvation in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches that the penalty of our sin has been removed. That the power of our sin has been weakened, but the presence of our sin still remains. It does. That this side of heaven, the presence of sin still remains. I like to think of it this way. That me first orientation of our sin, it can no longer master us, but it can still pester us. Right? No longer master us, but it can pester us can tempt us. It can distract us. It can get in the way of us really genuinely wanting to pursue what the Word of God and the Spirit of God are trying to tell us. And so as Christians, we'd be fools to think that we're going to reach some level of purity and perfection where our selfish desires are no longer going to get in the way. That's just not true. And so one of the obstacles we face in our pursuit of peace is simply human nature, both in them and in us. The second is this, spiritual opposition spiritual opposite. The Bible teaches Christians have affirmed for centuries that there are real, living, influential, unseen, evil spiritual beings called demons. And these demons have an overall leader known as Satan or the devil, and scripture describes him as what? As a deceiver, an accuser, a slanderer, and the father of lies. All things that are going to get in the way of peace. And so whether it's a conflict just between two individuals or it involves entire nations, Satan takes great delight in seeing people who are at odds with each other. Now having said all that, the Bible also teaches personal responsibility. It teaches accountability for our actions. So this isn't some the devil made me do it kind of thing like you have no say in the matter. But by the same token, we're also warned in Scripture that ignorance of Satan and his schemes, that that kind of ignorance is a surefire recipe for spiritual and relational failure. Specifically, the Apostle Paul warns us that a hard heart towards others, that an unwillingness to forgive, that those are marks of the enemy. Thankfully, we're not alone in that battle. God gives us spiritual weapons that are not of this world, that allow us to expose the lies of Satan, to take every thought captive in Christ. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated Satan. He defeated his power over us. But while Satan has been defeated, he has not yet been destroyed. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And how does he devour? Well, sowing seeds of division and conflict is one of the ways he does that. Spiritual opposition, another obstacle that gets in the way of peace. Human nature, spiritual opposition. And then third, cultural pressure. Cultural pressure. The Bible talks about a world system, these unseen forces, so to speak, that work in opposition to the will and ways of God. So, for instance, if God's heart is one of peace and unity, then the values and priorities of our culture often work to undermine that. But in a lot of ways, I don't think I need to tell you that, do I? I mean, you just look around, you can feel the divisiveness in our culture today. Political issues, race, racial issues, healthcare issues, where everything turns into what? Us versus them, right? And then you throw in a media that delights in creating controversies rather than solutions, all because it generates higher ratings, right? And then it turns into what? Outrage and anger and how could they and division, right? And then that cultural pressure seeps into our relational worlds where we're quick to draw lines and prove that the other person is wrong, See, whether it's first century Rome or 21st century America, the words of the Apostle Paul still ring true for us as Christians about fighting against, right, this world system. Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, This, this pattern of conflict, this pattern of divisiveness. Don't conform to that pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, conform or transform listen i'm not anti-media nor am i anti-social media for that matter but if that's all that you're drinking in all throughout the day it will over time squeeze you into its mold of outrage and division it will it won't renew your mind and it certainly won't lead you toward a life of peacemaking See, that's where spiritual transformation comes in, when the Spirit of God works through the Word of God and leads us to a life that is shaped and guided by what? By God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Cultural pressure, one more obstacle that gets in the way of us navigating relational conflict well. So you have those three, human nature, spiritual opposition, cultural pressure, the obstacles we need to overcome in our pursuit of peace, and like I said, thankfully we're not alone in that, right? This is where God... The moment of our salvation gives us his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us supernaturally, both in strength and desire, to not only stand up to these forces, but also to make progress in our pursuit of peacemaking with others. And so as we begin to wind down then, we're left with this third and final aspect of conflict resolution that I'm going to close with today, and that's the challenge, right? So what's our challenge? Here's the goal Here are the obstacles in the way of that goal. What what is the challenge for us? See, that really is not just what we're going to talk about today, but all throughout this series, right? How do we do this? But for now, I want to leave you with a final passage of Scripture. Romans 12, verse 18. It's not just for today. It's for this entire series. The Apostle Paul says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What do we say that together? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Right? Now, you can see there are three parts to this verse. The heart of the verse is the command at the end, live at peace with everyone, right? That's the goal. So yes, relational conflict with others is inevitable. It's always going to be, right? Even for the most selfless, mild-mannered, Christian out there. We are going to butt heads with people. We aren't always going to see things eye to eye, but instead of just throwing our hands up in resignation and surrender and defeat, we stay committed to this command, to this goal, live at peace with everyone. Beyond that, though, you'll you'll notice there are two other parts. The first part says if it is possible. And what I love about that is an honest recognition that conflict resolution is ultimately a two-way street. It's a two-way street. In other words, even if you do have a steadfast commitment, right, and you want to pursue peace passionately in a conflicted relationship, you're only half of the equation. You're only half of the equation. You can't control what the other person is going to say, think, do, or feel, right? You can, and so Paul makes sure that we recognize the possibility of this, right, with those words at the beginning of the verse, if it is possible, because sometimes it's not. But it's this middle part that I want you to think about as we close, and it's these words, as far as it depends on you as far as it depends on you with everything we've talked about today with everything we're going to look at in this series you have a choice you have a choice that when it comes to conflict resolution are you as a christian willing to do whatever it takes on your end to live as a peacemaker are you willing to let the holy spirit change you empower you to rise above these these obstacles of human nature and spiritual opposition and cultural pressure All these obstacles that are trying to convince you that you do have the right to hold a grudge, to nurse a wound, to keep a score, to plot revenge against those who've wronged you, right? And even when you list that out, you see, no, that's not the new life in Christ that we're called to as Christians. That's not what it's supposed to look like. No, when it comes to relational conflict, Jesus is calling all of us to something different, right? Something better, something more. Jesus wants us to be people who pray about our conflicts, who seek wisdom from Scripture about our conflicts, who initiate steps of restitution and resolution in our conflicts, and who are willing even to forgive those who've offended us in those conflicts as far as it depends on you. Doesn't mean we're always going to do it perfectly, but it does mean that we're going to pursue it passionately. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. For this week and for this series, I want all of us here to embrace this kind of life. To reject everything that's trying to pull us into crossed arms and hard hearts and to seek God's will, right? That he has for us to navigate through relational conflict in a way that leads to peace. Because that's what it's going to take for all of us here at Hopewell to truly, truly become this community of grace and truth that is inviting, not just in words, but also in actions, inviting other people to know and follow Jesus with us. Let's pray together. And Heavenly Father, as I share these words from your word, and as your spirit works in each one of our hearts, I realize that you are bringing names, faces, life situations to all of us right now. Some of us are smack dab in the middle of something that's really hard. We're calling out to you for strength and to see us through, but for wisdom to know what to do. And God, thank you that that is your heart. Your heart is one of peace, if it is possible. And so show us, right, as far as it depends on us, show us what we need to do, what we need to pursue. Holy Spirit, give us the strength to stand against right, our own sin nature, to stand against the schemes of the enemy, to stand against this cultural pressure of outrage and divisiveness, and to have a heart like yours, Jesus. And Father, for those um, who are hurting today because of conflict, who've been hurt, who are scared, who are worried, whisper your presence. Your peace to their hearts. Let them know that as believers in Jesus Christ, they are beloved sons and daughters of the living God. And for the rest of us, God, we're just asking for a sign, a step, a practical move that we can make in the relationship you've brought to mind, that we can truly live as peacemakers in this world, ambassadors of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. is oh. called savior isn't he wonderful that's why we worship and that's why we come to the altar it's why we bring our lives our hearts our situations our conflicted relationships and it all begins by saying god here's my life here's my life next sunday is mother's day Alright, I think that was Kathy's voice Yeah, so um, <laughs> Excellent, we are going to As part of our Mother's Day worship next week uh, We're going to have some families from our church Dedicating their children to the Lord Should be great, we'll also continue Our Collision Course series and talk about The perspective we need As we walk into And try to work through conflict But as you go from here, may the deep and abiding Love of our Savior Jesus Christ Be with you now And this week, God bless you